You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Ladies and gentlemen, you are now listening to the Fantasy Baseball Hour with Al Melchior. Welcome, everybody. This is the Fantasy Baseball Hour. I'm your host, Al Melchior, and thank you for tuning in today. Happy Tuesday to you. We've got uh, the outfield preview for you today. We are supposed to get to that yesterday, but there was just, uh, frankly, too much else to talk about. So I will get that uh, in today. I'm going to be joined a little bit later by Justin Mason. You probably know him from the Tout Wars Hour right here on Fantasy Sports Radio. If you don't know him from there, then you probably know him from a bunch of other places, uh, including uh, Rotographs and uh, Friends with Fantasy Benefits. He is also the uh, creator of the great Fantasy Baseball Invitational. Uh, those drafts are in progress right now, pretty much right in the smack middle of them. And uh, so great time to take stock, look at some of the ADPs from those drafts and see how they match up with uh, the general ADPs. It's a, it's a Fantrax draft. So uh, I've done a little bit of comparing with some Fantrax ADPs uh, just from drafts in general. Some pretty interesting stuff to see where people in the industry, uh, including Justin and myself, uh, how we differ a little bit uh, from owners in general. So we're going to break all of that down and, and take a look at our teams. I've got uh, Indians rotation news. I've got Diamondbacks infield news. And I've got a whole bunch of injury updates. So let's get to it in terms of that Indians rotation news. According to the Cleveland Plain Dealer, Mike Clevenger is in the rotation. And the main reason for that is because Danny Salazar is not going to be ready to rejoin the Indians rotation come opening day. He's been dealing with an inflamed right rotator cuff, and uh, that's going to create at least a temporary opening for uh, Mike Clevenger. Uh, Clevenger had a, a very nice season last year, tossed 121 and two-thirds innings for the Indians, finished with a 311 ERA, a very robust 27.3% strikeout rate, and also a very robust, but not really in a good way, 12% walk rate. So that's the uh, the rub with uh, Mike Clevenger, along with you know perhaps maybe not very solid uh, job security, but at least he's got an opportunity to stick there. And an interesting part of this Plain Dealer report is that Clevenger actually isn't taking the fifth spot in the rotation. And maybe that's just a matter of filling in for Salazar, who was not going to be the fifth starter. You could interpret this a, a few different ways. But uh, according to the Plain Dealer, um, Josh Tomlin and Ryan Merritt are actually the competitors for that fifth spot. So whoever wins that, when that, that competition, when Salazar is ready to return, it certainly seems plausible, given how well Clevenger pitched last year, that it could be what, the fifth starter, whoever that is, that goes, uh, whether it's the bullpen or um, in case of Merritt, uh, I, I don't know if he's out of options or not. Uh, but I guess uh, maybe he could go back to the minors. So some interesting uh, uh, things there in the in the uh, Indians rotation to keep an eye on. But that certainly does boost Clevenger's stock. And again, especially if you think that he could stay in the rotation once Salazar comes back. And I, I really don't see why he couldn't. So uh, that uh, makes it worthwhile. 
Then there's also the question of when do you gamble on Danny Salazar? He's currently going 52nd among starting pitchers in terms of ADP on fan tracks. So that seems like a pretty easy risk to take. I mean, there's a history of uh, inconsistency with Salazar. You don't know exactly when he's going to come back and how uh, fully recovered Salazar may be. But when you're talking about outside of the top 50, and really once you get outside of the top 30, there's just a whole lot of uncertainty with everybody. Given what Salazar's potential is, what his ceiling is, I think 50 seconds is a pretty safe risk to take with Salazar. I like that ADP for him. Uh, Also mentioned the Diamondbacks. There was a piece in the Arizona Republic last night uh, that mentioned that uh, it appears that Nick Ahmed is being prepped to be the team's starter at shortstop. And if you've been listening to the show for the last few weeks, you probably are anticipating what I'm going to say. Uh, my heart skipped a beat when I saw that news because I thought, oh, tell Marte, he's my top sleeper. I've just, I've just been you know, targeting him in the late rounds and, and thinking he could be perhaps the biggest value in fantasy this year. All down the drain, but no. Just a, a premature panic because Marte is also – being groomed to take over second base on, if not a full-time basis, uh, pretty close to it. So it looks like there could be some fluidity there in the Diamondbacks outfield. Chris Owings does not have an everyday job now anymore, it appears, but he could certainly slot in at uh, second, short, or third. And at third base, I mean, that seems particularly likely because uh, Jake Lamb has some real uh, platoon issues with lefties. So you figure Lamb is probably, out of all of this, uh, well, actually, Owings would be the biggest uh, loser in terms of value, but Lamb, maybe not too far behind him. Uh, as, for, as for Nick Ahmed, that might sound like sort of the aftermath uh, part of this or the, the afterthought, I guess, is really what I mean to say, uh, because he's he's known much more for his defense than his offense. And we didn't get to see him a whole lot last year. He had uh, multiple hand fractures uh, late last season. And again, that could maybe affect him both offensively and de- defensively this year. But there was an interesting trend for him when he did play that uh, he was hitting with a much harder contact last year. And the the previous two seasons, 2015, 2016, his average fly ball distance distances respectively were 304 feet, 310 feet. Last year was 326 feet. That's pretty nice. I mean, not even just compared to his past numbers, but just in the field, when you look at the field of hitters, that stacks up pretty nicely. So maybe a little bit of a uh, sneaky source of power at the shortstop position from Ahmed. I would still say no more than a late round flyer at, at best, but uh, not completely un uh, or not completely irrelevant to fantasy. Uh, the whole bunch of news from the Mets. Uh, Ahmed Rosario received an MRI on his knee uh, earlier today. Today being Tuesday. So I uh, have not seen anything yet in terms of any results. But, uh, you know, as we've been saying with uh, a lot of the, the Mets updates, uh, this is reportedly a, a precautionary thing with Rosario. But we'll certainly keep an eye on that. Uh, anytime you see a player get an MRI, it's not anything to, to take too lightly. And uh, also, um, 
Actually, I've got more Mets news, but I want to make sure to get this in. Billy Hamilton was scratched from uh, the Reds game today with an injury to his index finger. So, again, no uh, report there on the severity or any sort of uh, timetable for Hamilton, but we'll keep an eye on that one. But let's get back to the Mets now. Uh, Jacob deGrom pitched his simulated game, which I talked about on yesterday's show, threw about 30 pitches over two innings. And uh, he could come back in uh, two or three days to pitch in an actual spring training game. So that's something that we need to keep our eyes on over uh, the next two or three days. Because if that happens, yesterday I was saying it looked unlikely that uh, DeGrom could be the opening day pitcher for the Mets. Now there's the possibility maybe that's back on. So this is precisely why I say reports on, on whether it's job status or injury status, <laughs> these things tend to zigzag quite a bit throughout the spring. So uh, I try not to get too hung up on it uh, one way or the other. Try not to get too pessimistic uh, when there's bad news. Try not to get too optimistic when there's good news. So we'll just uh, try to keep in the middle path here and say that DeGrom might still be the opening day pitcher, but a little bit of progress there for him. Very good news for Michael Conforto. He took regular batting practice today. By the way, all these uh, Mets updates are from from MLB.com. And it was the first time that Conforto took BP since he had shoulder surgery. So that's definitely uh, a landmark event for him. Uh, Corey Seager, moving on to the Dodgers. uh, He has started throwing to bases during drills, according to the Orange County Register. And he may be able to play shortstop in spring training games within a week or so. So good news there. Seager uh, is uh, coming back, uh, being worked in uh, gradually after having some elbow issues. So hopefully we'll see uh, Corey Seager in the Dodgers lineup fairly soon. So uh, before I get to a few other updates, go check out Fantrax.com. You can create the ultimate dynasty, keeper, or redraft fantasy league using Fantrax's free commissioner product. Find out how it feels to have the deepest player pool, multi-team trades, plus player salary and contract options all at your fingertips. And all of these things are fully customizable. With Fantrax Treasurer, you can set league entry fees and safely distribute payouts without a third party so that you don't have to track down owners for payment. And when you do sign up, Enter the promo code AL, that's me, my name, AL, A-L, that's all. Uh, Put that in the little sign-up box at the bottom of the registration form. That will give you a chance to win 10 free private consultations with me. Those are, uh, that's a package that you can buy at almelkier.com for $109. This gives you a chance to win a package of just 10 private consultations for free. Just enter the promo code A-L-AL at sign-up. So find out why Fantrax is the home of fantasy sports and check Fantrax.com out today. Marcus Stroman, he is not expected to start throwing for at least another few days, according to Sportsnet. He has been dealing with right shoulder inflammation. So uh, no, no good news there yet for Marcus Stroman. According to the Boston Globe, Alex Cora says that Drew Pomeranz is pain-free and he is going to get back to a throwing program. So when that news first came out, there was a report that said uh, Pomeranz didn't think it was a serious issue, no need to panic. I said, well, I might just take the prerogative to panic anyway. Might have panicked for nothing. <laughs> so it sounds like uh, he really is uh, okay uh, with the uh, the forearm issue that he uh, he had previously. 
Some uh, potentially big prospect news here. The Rangers, they've been uh, adding on a little bit of international uh, bonus money, and it looks like they're going to put that to use. According to Baseball America, they are expected to sign Cuban outfielder Julio Pablo Martinez. And according to that same report from Baseball America, they are going to rank Martinez as their number 60 prospect overall. So that gives you an idea of his value in a uh, dynasty-type league. Uh, but in terms of maybe the, the shorter-term horizon, uh, that report also says that uh, the 21-year-old Martinez could start with the Rangers at either high A or double A. So not necessarily that far off. Um, maybe even an outside chance uh, to, to make the major leagues this year, not to get too far ahead of myself, but if he went right to double A and did well there, could make things interesting in a, a redraft league. And finally, the A's have released Brandon Moss. They designated him for assignment uh, recently. So uh, that is now uh, the, the the reunion is uh, was a short-lived one for Brandon Moss, no longer uh, an Oakland A. Um, so as I mentioned before, a little uh, ways down the road here, going to talk to Justin Mason. Uh, he is the uh, creator of the great fantasy baseball Invitational. Uh, I am in league number 13. I think it's out of 13 total. Well, I'll have to con- confirm that with Justin. But um, our draft right now, I think, is in round 16. Maybe it's moved on to 17. I have to go check that. But that's pretty typical of where all the leagues are so far. So it'll be a nice opportunity to take stock uh, of our own teams and um, you know, also ADP. There's some really sort of interesting discrepancies between what's going on in these uh, great fantasy baseball invitational leagues and what is going on uh, in the the greater drafting uh, public. So uh, we'll be getting to that shortly. Uh, just uh, now a quick reminder that Fantasy Factor is the perfect daily fantasy site for the casual recreational player. Flatter prize pools, smaller fields, and single entry contests only fancy factor always has fun contests going right now free with free entry a march madness bracket and sweet 16 bracket and fancy factor is running a one hundred thousand dollar home run derby this year simply sign up and enter at www.fantasyfactor.com all right well since i've got just a couple minutes here before i got ahead to break I promised you an outfield preview, and gosh darn it, you're going to get an outfield preview. <laughs> so, uh, and probably good to get a head start on that because outfield being outfield, got a lot of players uh, that we could talk about here. But, um, you know, the, the initial tier is, is something I've talked about quite a bit on the show over the last few weeks. And you know, to me, the interesting question is what's the appropriate draft order after Mike Trout, who is, of course, the consensus number one pick overall, therefore the consensus number one outfielder. And since I'm going to talk with uh, Justin Mason very soon here about ADP and the great fantasy baseball invitational leagues, thought maybe to start this off by taking a look at what is the order uh, of those four. And this just really, again, hammers home the point that there's really a great deal of interchangeability in terms of overall value with these four players. 
it, it really may just come down to a question of do you trust what and, and again, this is how I look at it. I'd be actually very interested to see if other people maybe look at this differently. I view Mookie Betts as the safety pick out of the four. Uh, so it's really a question of do you trust the the safety of, of Mookie Betts? Is that going to be your priority with an early pick or um, you know the, maybe the more volatile uh, performance trends of Bryce Harper, Charlie Blackman, and Giancarlo Stanton? All four are being drafted somewhere between sixth and ninth in these leagues. So that shows you what a close call it is. But the order is Harper, Betts, Blackman, and Stanton in those leagues. And Harper, I'm still so surprised because Harper is a bit polarizing. People don't necessarily like uh, the history of health issues and inconsistency, but he's getting a slight nod over Mookie Betts and ADP there. Anyway, uh, I will continue on with the outfield preview later on in the show, but we're going to head to break. And when we come back, Justin Mason will be here. It'll be a lot of fun, so don't go anywhere. Be right back. Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there, where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. Welcome back, everybody. You are listening to the Fantasy Baseball Hour with Al Melchior. And as promised, I've been joined by Justin Mason. I'm going to try to keep the intro brief. It's going to be hard to do because Justin's everywhere. He's here on Fantasy Sports Radio, uh, hosting with uh, Laura Michaels, the, uh, uh, the Tout Wars Hour. Not doing a good job of keeping this brief. You can also find him at uh, fa- uh, Fantasy Friends with Benefits, Rotographs, Fantasy Alarm. Justin. Welcome to the show. Sorry I botched your intro. Hey, no worries. I'm glad to be on. <laughs> well, glad to have <laughs> you on. Uh, these uh, great uh, fantasy baseball invitationals are just really fun. At least mine is. Uh, <laughs> I'm having a great time with it. I think it's a fantastic idea. Before we dig into it, uh, maybe you could uh, share with us just the background, uh, what uh, led you to uh, create this wonderful thing. So I joined the industry near the end of 2014 coming, you know, kind of getting ready for the 2015 season. And when I did, uh, and throughout my first year, I, I realized something that I hadn't realized previously was that not everybody gets invited to tout wars and labor. And that the chances I was ever going to be in a tout wars and labor were slim to none because I don't know if people realize, but there are a ton of people trying to do this. Uh, you know, the, the the market in the industry is extremely oversaturated. And so I started coming up with an idea to, you know, get me into a tout wars or a labor. And the only way I could ever do that in my own mind was start my own. And so this was kind of a brainchild of mine from a few years ago. 
um, never thinking I'd actually get into Tout Wars like I, I have this year. Um, but, uh, you know, it, I wanted to profile people in the industry that may never get that shot, may never get a shot at, uh, you know, some of the bigger names in the industry. And this is what I came up with, uh, 13 leagues, 195 industry analysts. I'm sure it is going to even grow next year because there's so many people who are bummed that they missed uh, the sign-up date. So uh, it's been a pretty overwhelming response by the industry. Yeah, I mean, just, you know, putting those numbers in perspective, like you said, that, you know, really more than 200 people who wanted to participate, almost 200 who are fortunate enough to get to participate. So it's, it's really an, an awesome thing uh, that you've created. And you're also taking part in it. Uh, how are you uh, liking your team so far? Uh, I, I think I'm in some trouble. <laughs> I was just telling Florio before uh, before we came on that uh, it's it can be a little bit difficult, I think, to run 13 leagues and then draft your own. Um, and uh, and I I put myself in a really bad position when I didn't take a pitcher in the in the first five rounds uh, because none of the ones that came back around to me at the four or five turn really made sense or at the two three turn really really struck me as a guy that I wanted. Uh, over the offensive players that were there, um, uh, we have like this uh, this Google Doc that actually is running real time ADPs and real time projections uh, that my guys at Friends of Fancy Benefits uh, put together, and I am dead last in the projections according to Steamer. Wow! Wow! Well, I, I, and I, I saw. I didn't think uh, you know. I looked at that earlier today. And I, I saw you were down there. I didn't realize dead last, but I just, um, I just checked a few minutes ago. So it's, uh, it's it's not it's not you. It's the projections. Yeah. Well, and I mean, I definitely, especially with my pitching staff, I'm having to take some gambles. Um, you know, I'm having to take gambles on guys that I wouldn't necessarily want as my you know two threes or even my one. Uh, starting pitcher, you know, I, I took Luis Castillo as my as my top guy, which a lot of people love this year. I'm not as enamored with him, but I'm hoping maybe I can package it because unlike NFBC, which also has an overall prize, we do allow trading in these leagues. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm very glad for that. Um, and yeah, I, uh, I'm actually on that spreadsheet right now. I'm trying to find where I am because uh, I looked earlier. <laughs> you know what, though? It helps not to be in the player tab. Because uh, <laughs> I'm not going to find myself in there. There I am. It uh, looks like I've actually moved down a little bit. Um, guess that last pick I made wasn't so good. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, it seems like a lot of people, Justin, are, are waiting on their ace. Uh, I'm, I'm seeing it on Twitter. A lot of people are sharing the results on Twitter. I didn't take a starter until uh, first pick in the sixth round. I'm at the 15-16 turn there uh, with the draft position. Uh, so I waited until my sixth pick to take Masahiro Tanaka. And I got to say, I'm, I'm liking my pitching staff okay. Um, you know, I've got a bunch of, of number two starters. I just don't have a, you know, necessarily a, a, a real ace. At that and point, I, I mean, I, I've got guys I like too. I got Zach Ali, Luis Castillo, and Alex Wood. Um, I know, you know, there's a lot of varying, these are kind of polarizing pitchers and I may be at kind of the, you know, top end of where people <laughs> like them. Uh, but I mean, I, I got Luis Castillo towards the back end of his ADP according to these drafts. So that's pretty cool. That's yeah. That's a good thing. Cause yeah, he's, uh, he's definitely not under the radar. <laughs> so no, he's, he's little, not. 
slid a little bit, that's uh, that's all the better. Well, you know, speaking of the ADPs, uh, I talked a little bit before you came on about the outfielder ADP because I find it very interesting to see what order the two through five outfielders are going. Was a little surprised to see Harper going just slightly ahead of Mookie Betts and and the uh, and you know the other two Stanton and uh, and Blackman, uh, but uh, I went through position by position and saw something pretty interesting at almost every position. So I just want to uh, kind of just hash this out and and see what you think about some of these ADPs and what they may or may not mean. Uh, starting a catcher, I saw a couple of things that were interesting to me. One was that. Evan Gaddis is actually slightly ahead of Salvador Perez, who in my own rankings, I've got Perez just clearly uh, above Gaddis. And if my memory served me correctly, I think in the AL labor this weekend, I think Gaddis went for a dollar or two more than Salvador Perez. Uh, I'm worried about playing time for Gaddis. I'm a little worried about last year uh, being a bit of a down year for him. Uh, where where do you stand on on the whole Gaddis versus Perez uh, controversy that I'm I'm creating here? I I think I'm close. I think I have them closer together than you do. I have been flipping them back and forth between five and six. Uh, and I think people need to remember when they see industry drafts like this, whether it be Tat Wars or Labor or, or the Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational. You know, a lot of these guys that are, are and gals that are drafting are shooting for the moon. They want to win the overall. They they want to they want to finish into on top of their league. They don't care about finishing second or third. Um, and so they're going with the guys they think may give them the best overall upside. And if Gaddis plays, you know, six hundred at bats or even six hundred plate appearances, he should outshine Sal Perez. Um, and so that's why I think we're seeing him go uh, a little bit higher than, than Perez. You know, th- that Royals lineup is just so bad. It's just so bad. I just I, I worry that that is going to affect Perez. Uh, and, and Gaddis is getting a little World Series bump. So, uh, you know, for, from his team and, and the, the guys around him. So it's close for me. Um, but I, I wouldn't, you know, argue it one way or the other. Okay, so uh, all sorts of uh, you know different uh, positions on this here, and I and I get your point. I figured probably it was the Royals context that maybe is mm-hmm. starting to sour people on on Salvador Perez. For what it's worth, uh, his Fantrax ADP is one thirty, Gaddis's is one fifty. So it's it's I don't know. It's, to me, it's an interesting decision when you get to that point. By the way, I was one of the people who took Perez for my. Uh, uh, great uh, fancy baseball invitational. So he's my catcher. I was very happy to get him when I did. Uh, going a little bit further down, Wilson Ramos, his uh, ADP among catchers in these leagues is ninth. In Fantrax leagues in general, he's 13th. And I always thought he was uh, not getting enough love. So do you think that uh, that's just an industry view on the whole or that he's trending up for some reason? What, how do you interpret that? I, I don't understand why he doesn't get more love. I actually have him ranked seventh out of my catchers, so I think I I would be the high man. Uh, I have yet to take a catcher, but uh, I think the majority of my league has as well. So I believe he's still on the board, if I if I'm not mistaken. Um, and I think Sal I think I think Sal Perez just went. Uh, I think you know a, a complete now year removed from the surgery uh, and from being injured. In, in a contract year where he could get traded uh, to a better ballpark, to a better team at some point, uh, he could go off and we could kind of see the guy we saw before he tore his ACL towards the end of his t- uh, tenure with the Nationals. I, th- I, think, uh, I think he's in for a big season. 
Yeah, but he certainly got uh, greater upside than mm-hmm. anybody I think uh, outside the top uh, top six, maybe even top five. So you know, uh, seventh makes a lot of sense to me, uh, and you know, ninth is uh, certainly better than thirteenth. Uh, let's uh, move on to some humidor talk here. Uh, Paul Goldschmidt, his ADP overall in these drafts is seven point five. He is the top first baseman. I dropped him down to third at first base in my own rankings and 11th overall. Uh, how do you feel about him being right between 7th and 8th uh, in ADP in, in uh, these leagues? I think that's fair. I mean, I think you, you've got to maybe ding him a little bit from the humidor, but I think people taking him out of the first round entirely are overreacting. One, we, we have no idea exactly. I know there's math and science involved, and I had a long conversation with Derek Carty uh, for the Great Inv- uh, Invitational uh, podcast that I do. Um, at the end of the day, Goldie can you know beat you in so many ways, and so maybe he loses a few home runs, he gains some steals. Well, in this day and age, that's, that's not a big deal. And it's not like those home runs are going to just necessarily become outs. So, you know, you get yeah. back three home runs, you add a few stolen bases. Uh, I still think he's an extremely valuable player at the first base position. All right. Uh, well, again, I'm certainly not going to quibble between the 7.5 and where I've got him at 11. There's there's a lot of bunchiness there. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, he's he's already getting the ding because I think before the, the humidor, uh, he was pretty much consensus number three in ADP. So he's that, he's getting that adjustment. Uh, Alex Bregman is somebody I've talked a lot about on the show as I've been doing position previews, and I've been kind of throwing cold water on uh, where people have been drafting Bregman. And it, you know, I think just in general, I've been maybe more down on uh, some of the younger players uh, and people projecting breakouts for them, uh, you know, and, and elevating them to the levels of, of players who have been producing at a high level for a long time. And so in this case, of course, you could look at him among shortstops or third basemen. But if we look at third base, he's only being drafted on average six picks behind Josh Donaldson, but 20, 20 picks ahead of Anthony Rendon. Um, do you think uh, Bregman should be drafted more on a par with Donaldson or Rendon? Oh, I think I think it's got to be in the middle. Uh, I, I don't think it should be nearly as high as it is. I love Alex Bregman. I think he is Jose Ramirez light. Uh, but at the same time, you're not getting him at like a Jose Ramirez light number. You're virtually getting him at the same number as Jose Ramirez, which is a problem for me. Uh, you know, he's one of those guys. I, I think there is kind of this cliff after the first thirty picks. Um, that are forcing people into taking Alex Bregman. That you know there are you know you have all these elite guys. It's one of the deepest first and second rounds we've seen in a long time. And then there's a little bit of drop off. And I think that little bit of a drop off is having people push up Alex Bregman. Plus he has third base and shortstop eligibility, which is tantalizing to people. Though I think people are wanting to play him at shortstop and not realizing that. Uh, shortstop was actually uh, actually out earned third base in 15 team formats last year, uh, depending on what uh, projection format and value format you use. So like it, it's actually more beneficial sometimes to play him at third or just move him around based on where your your draft ends up. Um, I have a share of Alex Bregman. I think it's going to be my last. I got I got it in December, so I, the, the the helium has been insane. <laughs> yeah, I would definitely agree with that. And, and on the same uh, uh, sort of strand here, um, Ronald Acuna is being drafted ahead of Andrew McCutcheon 
Um, now, in terms of general Fantrax ADP, it's very much the reverse. Uh, McCutcheon's uh, got an ADP of 85, Acuna down at 111. So, you know, this is not quite the same as the Bregman situation. I mean, one, because we haven't seen Acuna play at all at the major league level, but also because the people in the industry in these drafts are really out of sync with, with the general drafting public mm-hmm. here. So what do you think is going on? I, I think these are what I like to call see-me picks. They want everybody to see them make the pick. Um, it's it's absolutely insane. And I, and I mean, I've been one of the more negative people in terms of uh, when I think Acuna is going to be come up and are going to come up and and what we're going to see from him outside the gate. I think a lot of people think that we're going to see him at the end of April and that he's going to be a twenty twenty player um, or even greater than that. And uh, the problem is you, you can't draft a player. Like the whole point to taking to a guy like uh, Acuna is that you get him later and he becomes that guy. He should be going in the same area as like Victor Robles, who has like similar upside. But Victor Robles is going hundreds of picks later. I, I just I don't understand it. Uh, it seems like a waste uh, of a pick in that area. Yeah, no, I've, I've got to agree. Uh, and I think you take it maybe a little farther than I do in terms of, you know, waiting until uh, the same region as Robles. I think Akuna probably has a better chance of at least accumulating some playing time. But, but you know, I, I definitely agree with your, your larger point on that. Um, one last p- position we'll take a look at here, uh, pitching, you know, whether it's starters or relievers. As I went through the ADPs, you know, going through the, you know, top 20, top 30, I'm like, well, this, this, Lines up pretty much the way I think it should, going into the 40s, the 50s, and 60s. I really could not find a single pitcher that stood out the way that uh, Acuna or Bregman or, or Gaddis, um, you know, have for me. Did uh, is there anybody uh, among the pitching pool that you think is going way too early or too late? I mean, I think as a whole, we're seeing Shohei Otani go <laughs> a tad bit too high. We're seeing Luis Castillo as a whole going uh, a tad bit too high, and that, that's coming from someone who took him, uh, and, you know, and helped <laughs> set some of that ADP. Uh, I, to me, you the people are, are paying for the upside, and I, I know there's a lot of hype around these players, and that's why we're seeing him rise in ADP, but... Uh, you're asking a lot of Shohei Otani if you took him at his high end of his ADP, which was 44th overall. Um, you know, I mean, that to me is you, you have no room for profit. You need to see the guy go 170 innings, and we just don't know that that is possible in a six-man rotation and with the injury risk that he may have, and considering he didn't throw very many innings last year. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think Otani is definitely uh, uh, over market value. Um, I think, uh, uh, God, I hate to say my own pick is a little overvalued, but Luis Castillo, you're, you're seeing him, you're seeing him go in the '60s in a lot of these drafts, um, and I think there, well, uh, the the talent is amazing and very, very tantalizing. We're not talking about the things that could go wrong. He has a, a straighter fastball than I think people would like to see. Um, he plays in in Great America Ballpark. You know, who knows what that team is going to look like in terms of uh, chances to win games. I think there are question marks that people are kind of ignoring and kind of letting safer options 
uh, go by and grabbing these, you know, hot, shiny new toys. Again, these are see-me picks. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and we're both in our own ways, just like as part of the problem. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no. Movie. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, we, uh, we got to get going here. Uh, I apologize, because I, I could do a whole other segment on this. I promised an outfield preview. I'm going to deliver an outfield preview. But, Justin, thank you for taking the time to come by. Uh, folks, check Justin out on Twitter, at Justin Mason, FWFB. And do check out the great Fantasy Baseball Invitational. Uh, Justin, thanks again. Thank you. Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? Or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Download it now to your phone, we promise. No weird viruses. No strange tracking things. Just 24 hours a day, seven days a week of pure fantasy knowledge dropping all over your head. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Stop being a weirdo and streaming it online. Get it on your phone. Take it with you everywhere you go. Welcome back, everybody. This is the Fantasy Baseball Hour. I'm your host, Al Melchior. And once again, I just want to thank Justin Mason for dropping in and uh, some good chat about the great Fantasy Baseball Invitational. Uh, do keep an eye on that. I'll try to, to update you as best as I can uh, on my team, which is apparently very middle of the pack, according to the projections. Uh, but... Um, Anyhow, like I said, I am going to give you an outfield preview. I got a little bit of a head start on it in the first segment, and I'm going to get right to it uh, right after just this message here. Catch the DKMS 2018 March Madness Special on Monday, March 12th at 4 p.m. Eastern right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network with host Craig Carton. Get the edge on filling out your bracket with analysis from Greg Sussman, Mike Blewett, and special guest Yahoo's Brad Evans. And if you're looking to make some money, Gabe Morency and Blackjack Fletcher will line your pockets. The broadcast will be simulcast on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube live page. It's the DKMS 2018 March Madness Special. It's on Monday, March 12th at 4 p.m. Eastern. That's 1 Pacific right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. So, uh, earlier in the show, just uh, talked briefly about the first tier. Talked about them a lot. Talked about the last segment with Justin. Uh, so, you got Trout, and then uh, you've got the, the foursome of Betts, Blackman, Harper, and Stanton. Go for your favorite. I mean, they're at ADP. They're very, very close. Again, safety versus risk is, is uh, you know, my take on it. Um, but, but you know it's it's a maybe a moot issue, especially if you're in a 15 team league like uh, one of the great fantasy baseball invitational leagues, or even if it's a 12 team league, you might miss the boat on those five entirely. So maybe more likely, or you know, of course, you may prioritize some other position. You know, crazy as that is, you may want to get one of the big four starting pitchers or uh, first baseman, whatever. Uh, so you know, there's plenty of depth in first base. Uh, I would say as recently as a couple of years ago, it looked like it was a position that had thinned out a bit. But last year, uh, I'm sorry, let me back this up because I think I just said first base, outfield. Outfield had thinned. Uh, and it does get thin uh, after maybe the first uh, 40 picks or so, 40, 50 picks. But, so you definitely want to try to get your, your one and two 
pretty, pretty quickly here. So, again, I understand if you miss out on the big five, you know, that's going to happen. It could happen depending on your draft position. But um, second tier, uh, these uh, players are certainly being taken a, a distance from those top five. There's a clear tiering going on. But they're all being drafted within the top 30. And specifically, I'm talking about Aaron Judge, Cody Ballinger, who, of course, is first base uh, eligible, J.D. Martinez, and George Springer. And the only one here where I may have some hesitation on is J.D. Martinez. And before he signed with the Red Sox, I was all about waiting it out, such as it is for a, a player within the top 30 picks. There's not that much waiting. But in terms of, you know, skipping the big five, and being happy with J.D. Martinez, who I thought could maybe come close to Stanton's level of production this year. But I don't know. I, I don't really love Fenway Park for him. So, uh, it, you know, and plus, I think just maybe having a greater appreciation from the boost that he may have gotten at pre-Humidor's Chase Field and at Comerica Park. So I've soured a bit on J.D. Martinez. I'm not, I'll, you know, I'd say if I get him around a pick 30, or maybe a little bit earlier, maybe somewhere in the 25 to 30 range. I'm pretty happy with that. But it's not like I'm consciously passing up Aaron Judge to get to to JDM. And then there's a bit of a break beyond that group uh, that really starts after about pick 40. So really in the 30s in terms of ADP, not a lot of outfielders going. And you you want to come out of that top 30 like I said, you know, I you certainly want your your number one outfielder at that point, uh, but then pretty shortly thereafter, you you want to be getting your your second outfielder, and it's a big tier. Uh, like I said, starting around pick forty, Andrew Benintendi, Marcelo Zuna, Justin Upton, Reese Hoskins, also first base eligible, Starling Marte, um, and then you've got uh, Christian Yelich and Byron Buxton. So, uh, you know, there's a reason why people are taking a little breather before they dip into this third tier. Uh, people seem to love Andrew Benintendi. He seems to be pretty much the consensus best outfielder among this tier in terms of uh, ADP. But, uh, you know, sort of like maybe there's a bias I've got going here because it's like, okay, you've played one full season and, and part of a second. You know, can we really trust these numbers? And then Marcelo Zuna, I've talked about him quite a bit as being very high up on my busts list. Justin Upton, who's been very inconsistent over the years. Hoskins hasn't even played half a season. Marte, at least you, you pretty much know what you're going to get from him. And Christian Yelich, I, you know, I really, really would be super happy with him as my second outfielder uh, because I'm very convinced he's going to get a nice home run boost going to Miller Park. I think 25 homers is is not a reach at all to project for Yelich. So I'm pretty pretty happy getting him. If I don't, you know, I'm not. I don't really want to reach for any of the others. I wound up with uh, Justin Upton as my number one outfielder in the Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational, and wasn't you know wasn't really super happy that that's how that played out. Uh, but, you know, it was the 44th pick, so outfielders went a little bit ahead of, of ADP. Um, you know, and, and when you're uh, in a 15-team league and you're picking on the ends, uh, these things happen. 
So, uh, you know, there's certainly upside uh, to to that as well. But, um, yeah, I'd rather have uh, Upton as, as a number two outfielder. So, uh, you know, you, you certainly want to grab one from this group, ideally. But, um, you know, then you really get into an, an even greater level of uncertainty uh, with the next year. You've got Tommy Pham, who's had uh, some uh, health issues in his 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 history. Uh, and again, not an extended track record of a success for him. A.J. Pollock, Humidor, hello. <laughs> Billy Hamilton, uh, you know, do you want to be the the person who, you know, goes for the, you know, pretty much one-dimensional player? Chris Davis, you know, sort of one-dimensional in another sense, although he's, he's going to produce runs for you. But, uh, you know, Chris Davis is a pretty good second outfielder to get if, you're playing in a, a categories league and, and you just need to make up for some power that maybe you didn't get in your first first few picks. Domingo Santana, I worry a little bit about the playing time there with the acquisitions of um, Lorenzo Kane and Yelich. Andrew McCutcheon, I seem to be the least worried person on earth about the move to AT&T Park for him. But I, you know, I, I just don't think there's a whole lot of risk given where he's going amongst this fourth tier of outfielders. I think that that builds in the risk. And then the aforementioned Lorenzo Cain, who I think ha- is a slightly light version of of Yelich, so not a bad fallback if you really wanted Yelich but but didn't get him. And Yoenis Cespedes, and really he's just being discounted, I think, for you know for health reasons and rightfully so. But um, you know could be. Uh, a big, big bargain uh, being drafted amongst this fourth tier. So basically, by the time you've reached the end of that, you should definitely have your number one, number two outfielders. And if you're in a five outfielder format, not bad to get your third one either, because once you get beyond the first four tiers, um, you know, as much uncertainty as there is in the third tier and the fourth tier, obviously, the deeper you go, the more risk that you're taking on or just limited upside. Uh, but, you know, as I look at some of the, the players that are, are being taken a bit later as fallback options and not too much by later, by the way, is Ryan Braun, who I think like Cespedes could be a very big value if he can just play a bit more often and stay a bit more healthy. Uh, Yasiel Puig, big question mark. If he can repeat last year, he's a huge bargain where he's going. Uh, we talked about Ronald Acuna, Last uh, last segment, I would not want to you know reach for him in the same neighborhood as uh, Puig uh, or Braun, but you know that's that's where he's going. Ian Desmond, I think is being overlooked a little bit. Um, I'm not uh, well, you know. I mean, I suppose you know last season uh, missing a good amount of time with injury, not having great results, but two years removed from a, a very good season. So I like him as a fallback a lot. Marvin Gonzalez, this is uh, a mixed bag because I love the multi-position eligibility with Gonzalez, but I just don't really buy the stats from last year. The The power in particular was not only out of place with what he had done previously, but you know if you look at hard contact rate, if you look at average fly ball distance, it just doesn't quite add up. And Eddie Rosario... You know, I'd, I'd like to see more there. Um, so, you know, there's some some kind of safe, safer options with um, less upside 
So I think yeah, pretty much everybody that I've mentioned, Braun Puig, Acuna, Desmond, Marwin Gonzalez, if he can repeat what he did last year, Eddie Rosario, if he can repeat what he did last year, there's a great deal of upside. But to me, there's a certain appeal going with Ender Enciarte or Adam Jones, uh, who seem pretty safe to me and, and also don't, I think, have very, very little upside, if any. But if you have to go like I did, for example, uh, taking Justin Upton as my number one outfield, and I'm I'm concerned about the inconsistency there, and maybe the number two outfielder is somebody who's uh, let's say it's Tommy Pham, and you know there's some uncertainty about how close he can come to last year's uh, level of production. I wouldn't mind having an Ender Enciarte that's going to you know hit for average, you know almost certainly given the type of hitter that he is, um, you know, toss in a few steals, score a bunch of runs. You know, that's, that's not a bad way to go. Uh, and then finally here, there's the late round options. And, you know, here's, here's the thing, because in the, the middle regions of the outfielder pool, there is a lot of risk. There's, there's a lot of upside. So it's kind of nice to when you get to the you know your fourth or fifth outfielders or maybe even filling in some reserve slots that there's some really tantalizing upside that's still there late that might help you make up for some picks earlier that don't work out. Uh, you know if you've you've taken on a couple of pretty risky outfielders, um, taking on one or two more very cheaply, uh, you know some somebody's going to stick. So you know somebody like Willie Calhoun. Uh, who is almost completely inexperienced at the major league level, but just has all kinds of power potential. Um, Michael Taylor, who's uh, you know gonna would appear have a chance to to play uh, more regularly and has a nice, well-rounded skill set. Michael Brantley, it feels a little weird calling him an upside player, but you know if he can get back to where he was a few years ago, he's going very, very cheap. Uh, Chris Taylor is outfield eligible. I mean, if you're drafting him, probably you, you want him, uh, for an infield position, but, uh, you know, that he's another one that I, I, I sort of buy into what he did last year. And I think, you know, uh, and I apologize because I'm, I'm looking at, I must've had him misplaced because, uh, he, I don't think he's going that late actually. So. Maybe scratch that. Uh, but you get the idea here that there are some uh, nice options late. Uh, I've talked quite a bit about Franchi Cordero and Jose Perella. Talked about them on the last show. I get them queued up for the late rounds. Derek Fisher uh, looking to get more playing time this year. Uh, both Fowlers, uh, Dexter and Dustin. So, yeah, it's quite a few names there that, um, you know, could be really, really nice picks. And I'll actually toss out one more while he's top of mind. And that's, uh, uh, oh, geez, lost my train of thought here. So never mind that. Oh, Carlos Gomez was who I wanted to mention. All right. And uh, finally, just a, a final reminder here about DKMS that every three minutes an American is diagnosed with blood cancer, but unfortunately only 30% of patients are able to find a compatible bone marrow donor within their own family. But that's how you can help. Just go to DKMS.org slash FNTSY today and sign up online to register as a donor. DKMS will send you a swab kit. It takes legitimately one minute to do. You swab each, each of your cheeks and send it back to them and that's it. You're done. DKMS will then and try to match you up with a person in need of a donation. So the process is easy. And best of all, you could save somebody's life. It's not a metaphor. 
literally save someone's life. So go and check out dkms.org slash FNTSY to see how you can help. So on that note, uh, thank you so much for tuning in today. Uh, hopefully you've got some names uh, to stash uh, in your outfield queue. I will be back uh, tomorrow, uh, and I'll uh, Mike the Rotocop on as my guest. So that'll be cool. Uh, anyways, go out and hopefully you can enjoy some baseball. Getting closer and closer to opening day. Have a great day, everybody. Be back tomorrow, same time, same place. Take care. <laughs> 